Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. This is our weekly show where we talk about three or four interesting tech topics in the news, get you a fun library fact, and send you on your way in about 20 minutes. As always, if there's a topic you'd like to see on the next show, creationstation at broward.org comes right to me. Today, I have Brian Greenwood from Maine Library. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you? Life is pretty good. So, Tell them you're a, a standard reference librarian that people walk up and ask at a desk. Tell them what you do around here at Main Library. Uh, yes, correct. So basically, I am pretty much everywhere in the library. I can be on the third floor, which is our fiction section, or fourth floor, which is nonfiction, fifth floor, where we just basically answer reference questions. I may be working in the Creation Station Business co-working hub. Sometimes you'll find me on the circulation desk, so I'm kind of... Just put me where you need me kind of guy. Notice, folks, he's mentioned five different floors of main library that he works on. <laughs> so, yeah, no, exactly. This is what a, yeah, yeah. yeah this, is, this is what a lot of our librarians do. And, and mentioning roving and going out and doing all this stuff. That's why we try and have a variety of people on the show to show. People like Brian are doing a lot of different things. It's not one simple basic thing of sitting behind a desk all day long. When's the last time you actually sat at a desk all day long, Brian? <laughs> uh, before this, yeah, I had a, yeah, I, I had a standard yeah nine to five desk job, and um, I much prefer being a librarian. It's a great job. It's a great career. We have a lot of fun here. Let's let's cover some of these stories because we have some pretty interesting things going on. First off, we have to make a mention of Orion coming back. Um, all those things that we talked about over the last few weeks of Artemis launching, and we did our special podcast with the people uh, um, who did all the recovery effort. So you can go back and listen to that special Artemis podcast and we, where we talked to Slade Peters, who was in charge of this recovery mission for this capsule. Did you get a chance to watch it live, Brian? Actually, I did not. I, you know, I've been hearing about it in the news and was you know wondering – I didn't completely understand what all the hoopla was about, and then when I read the article to, to see what NASA was doing, I thought, oh, this is a small, another small step that they're taking for the future for what they want yeah. to accomplish. Yeah, 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 and this is one of those things that if you're uh, a casual viewer and you're like, oh, cool, okay, great, it landed, okay, great, now when's the next one coming up, and you're kind of bummed that it's probably going to be 2024 before it launches, don't worry, there's going to be more news coming out. People like me who are really in depth on this i'm waiting for the detailed report to come out it's going to be a couple months but i want to see the radiation levels of stuff they had the, the basically the crash test dummies inside the moonikins as they call them and uh, i want to see that data how much nasa releases about the radiation that they took from out in deep space and the g-forces when this thing was landing at twelve thousand miles an hour <laughs> Yeah, it was quite impressive what yeah. all the new technology they've come up with and what it's capable of doing. It's very impressive. They've come a long way. Yeah, it, it's, it is really crazy doing. Um, there's one other story that is big in the news this week, and everybody probably has heard about this, so we definitely wanted to talk about it. And Brian brought this one with him. So we have fusion technology, sort of. Brian, tell me as a layperson, what's your idea of what this actually means? Well, basically what they're doing now is they are taking, you know, uh, basically two atoms and creating uh, into another larger one. And basically it's going to create uh, clean energy. 
which means that eventually with the technology that they are beginning to under they already they've been working on it for 60 years and so now they finally have gotten to a point where they've been actually able to make a um, more energy than what they started with and so what this will eventually lead to is clean energy where what that basically means the end of fossil fuels yeah so it's probably not going to happen for maybe 30, 40 years. It's a long way off, but this was a very big step. Yeah, and and, and you covered almost all of it perfectly right there. Thank you, Brian. Um, one of the key things with this is that, A, this is the first time that they've been, had a greater output than input of energy. That's, that's what they mean by this breakthrough um, and what's actually happening. Now, then you get into the technical details of how much energy did they have to spend to create this breakthrough. Uh, it's not quite what they meant. So they they put in um, 2.05 megajoules and they got out 3.15. So that's great, except that that 2.5 only counts the lasers themselves of the energy the lasers put out. The electricity that the plant actually generated was 300 megajoules. So we're still a long way off. And like you said, this is decades away, most likely. You know, there's I've seen some articles out there like, oh, in the next 10 years. And it's like, no. no. Yeah, because yeah, the energy no, no, no. they said it was enough to boil two and a half gallons of water. Which is nice, but it's a long way from basically, you know, you know, taking care of our electrical grid or, you know, having it run your house and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's a nice step, but it we're along. It took us 16 years just to get here. So it's going to take us a long way, but we're definitely headed in a really great direction. Yeah, and one of the reasons it took us so long is they started building this lab that they used early. And this experiment happened in November, and then they have to run through all their, you know, really rigid testing afterwards and examining the actual results. They started building this lab in 1997 to get to this point now where they could do this. So it's a long time to build your new experiments when they do this. It involves a tremendous amount of lasers and all the stuff. It's a great, great thing. Um, but the, there's two key drawbacks is the cost uh, of doing that and the little individual pellet. So the lasers are all shooting directly into one little fine pinpoint, and that's what fuses that pellet together. Those pellets right now cost about $100,000 oh, to wow. create that. Yeah. And then to use hundreds of pellets a minute to make this work. Yeah, people think, oh, it's you know, the fusion just having it happen, but you also yeah. have the, the technology and the, the containers to actually make the experiment work. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the idea of using this kind of thing? I mean, have, have you ever, like, lived near a nuclear plant? I unfortunately uh, have not. That makes me a little nervous. See, Brian, you, you know? do. We have Turkey well, actually, Point. I do have Turkey there. Point, so I, I guess yeah. it's not. I don't consider it close because I've never seen it, and it, it's probably maybe an hour from here. Yeah. But I I I I am I'm much closer to one than I think I am. 
And what do you think about living near a fusion plant instead? Um, I don't know enough about this technology. I think it's probably safer. Oh, 100% safer. Yeah. But I do wonder if there was something that went wrong, what would, what would it do? Would it vaporize, vaporize thing? Mm-hmm. I don't really know if something was to go wrong with nuclear fusion, what are the repercussions? Yeah, and right now it seems like any of the potential repercussions from doing this are pretty limited because as soon as something goes wrong, the power shuts down and you're finished and you're done. Well, that's good. Yeah, we don't so, need any nuclear fallout or anything. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing like that because there are no byproducts. In fact, uh, the amount of uh, power that you get out of this, like you mentioned with the water, um, one gallon of water that comes out of this, hydrogen that comes out of this is the equivalent of burning 300 gallons of petrochemicals, gasoline or whatever. So it's, it is so much cleaner and there's so much less of it to do. The only byproducts are helium and more hydrogen because that's what you're doing. You're fusing hydrogen together to get helium. So it's really nice. Um, one of the interesting things that I th- found about this was I didn't know why the United States had gotten on this bandwagon. And it turns out it's all because of the nuclear test ban. So when, when the uh-huh. world decided to ban testing nuclear weapons, the United States w- thought that they needed to find another way to test whether their weapons were any good or not. And so they needed to take that same amount of material and explode it in a different way. So that's where this whole lab got started back in the 90s. Oh, interesting. So it, it, and right along with what you were thinking earlier, it's it's got to be safer. It's actually making other things safer other than this energy too. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice article. As always, we're going to put these in the show notes for you. Um, the Verge has this really nice step-by-step article of each of the individual parts. And like Brian said, this is not coming – this is not a 10-year plan. <laughs> this, this is a, a multi-decade plan. So this is not going to fix climate change overnight. But if this actually can uh, be built upon and expanded, this is going to help us. It's going to help us get there. I'm thinking when I'm an old man, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember I did this tech talk with Bob and yeah. look at where we come from. Yeah, that, that, That's kind of the idea. There's another type of one that they're trying to build now that uses magnets to uh, instead of lasers. Everybody thinks lasers are cooler than magnets. So, you know, uh, you know what's going to happen with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the big story today is I bet – most of the people who have just paid attention to general news or whatever have seen the thing about AI art. Have you used any of these yet? I have not, but after reading the story, I actually do want to. I'm thinking I I need to look at this at the websites, and I'm thinking about actually doing it. Um, I I find it fascinating, and I was like, is it stealing art? Is it not? And it's kind of in between. It's kind of taking different types of art form, but taking the ideas, maybe taking, um, let's say, Monet or Renoir and those types of paintings, but we're going to make it more art pop. 
So yeah. they're kind of combining two different art forms and making them in a different way. So it's it's kind of unique, kind of not. So it, it's kind of a, a thin line between is it stealing art, is it not, is it creative, is it not creative. And it's kind of, for me, I see it in kind of 50-50. Yeah. And there's two different ways that people are arguing about this. Uh, one is the argue, like you just said, Brian, is it really art or not if you don't have the human interface in between? And the other part is who should get the copyright? Who are you stealing somebody else's um, artistic energy to create this? And one of the th reasons I picked this article out of all of them was this example tweet right here. This is essentially creating a brand new type of interface. So now as an artist, you will have to think about how do I create this piece of art? And either you're going to have to learn how to do it with your own hand, you know, whether digitally, physically, whichever way you create your art, or are you going to do it with your words? And now we're kind of blending that whole artist, novelist, wordsmith thing, because if you can come up with the correct words to describe, I want to see a smiling woman triumphing over evil, wearing a beret, using a toothbrush. How do you tweak and make the art that does this? And it's your imagination. It's got to be a human imagination that does that because those you're just pulling together some pretty random things right there. Yeah, kind so, of on the computer, this is what I want, and coming up with yeah. something and see what it comes up with. And, yeah, you know, you know, do you own the rights to that? Who owns the rights to it? You know, is it you because you came up with that, or is it the company that's producing it for you? And as of right now, if once you sign into these apps, the company is claiming they own the rights to it. Their terms of agreement. Right, infringement law is going to be a big thing in the future. It's oh. going to take a whole new direction. Yeah, because how do you prove who did what, when, where, especially with the ability to change the art afterwards and further refine? Wait, wait, wait. I, I've got these. I'm going to pull these things out of the Lenza app as our example one that we've got on the screen. And I'm going to put it into a different, uh, in, use MidJourney, which is another app. And I'm going to go back to MidJourney directly and feed it back into there and then change it using MidJourney and who, what, where. Yeah, I think that some artists are very upset. I know some artists are extremely upset about this. I think some of them are upset because it's a radical change. It kind of reminds me of when NFTs really emerged and became a thing yep. and technology that came behind that where people were creating their own unique nfts i think that's where a lot of this has come from and uh it'll, it's interesting because it's pushing the boundaries of art it's pushing the boundaries of creativity and it's also pushing the boundaries of copyright law yeah so, yeah and and that's what technology does it, it you can't it's as we always say you know you can't get the toothpaste back in the bottle you know um and now that it's out there for people to use, they're going to experiment. They're going to find new ways of doing this, just like in the past. People complained, oh, you're using Photoshop. That's not real art. That's not real photography. And now just everybody just like admits. like a whole future version yeah. of Photoshop, yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody just admits that. Well, yeah, if you're really good at Photoshop, that's a skill. 
Well, I thought, yeah, I'm going to, you know, give them a photograph or whatever and see what they do. Or So, I, yeah, I definitely want to see what I would look like in, in maybe a Victorian painting setting. Or... Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my hesitancy on this is, one, I don't want to pay for it, um, and two, which is a bad sign. I know artists, all the artists out there saying, wait, 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 I buy art. That's not the problem. I don't want to pay someone to use my own image because you have to give them your own image and surrender your facial, you know, right. And then have them create something and give it back to me that I don't have control over. And I don't own that some other company owns. Yeah. You can I like to buy Yeah. Image. I like to work yeah, with artists. That. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I like to, I I've hired for my own website. I've hired artists to create stuff and I always work out the copyright with them and say, here, I get the copyright use for my limited use. You get to keep it for commercial use, et cetera. We do all that kind of stuff. And this bypasses, as you mentioned, all that copyright. And they try to get you by just clicking on that terms of service. They're like, nope, you're going to do whatever we tell you. And we're going to say what owns it. And it's like, hmm. about. Yeah. Oh, there's just so much to think about. This is the first of many times we're going to be talking. We talked last week about writing and GDP, um, the chat GDP. So we're going to cover that again, and we're going to cover this again, and we're going to do this over the next years as all of this grows and does. And as you said earlier, Brian, we're going to sit back in a couple of years and say, huh, wow, remember when we had this simple argument about whether we, we could use AI to do paintings, and now we're just discussing which – which AI engineering booth is better to build my spaceship? Yeah, now AI also, you can basically say, please write me a paper on yeah. the Killer Mockingbird on such and such topic, and it will write you a paper. And I'm just, it just blows my mind. Oh, we, I just was in a meeting uh, earlier this week discussing, well, when people have to submit essays, well, no, I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> if you have to have an essay and they're familiar enough and we're hiring for a technology job, Maybe it's a bonus that they know how to go grab an AI generator to create their essay for them. I don't know if that's the case or not. I'm torn on that one. I'm not sure if it really is or not. Uh, is technology uh, really yeah. taking us into some interesting times. Yeah, 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 yeah. And speaking of interesting times, that's a very nice little segue for our library bonus piece. This Saturday down at Main Library, uh, downtown Fort Lauderdale, uh, 11 to 3. This is Saturday, December 17th, if you're listening on the podcast afterwards. So if you can make it here this week, great. Uh, if you can't, we still do all this cool stuff anyway. Come show up at Creation Station and use the green screens and do all the stuff. What is some of the stuff going on here, Brian? I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's for all ages. So if you're an adult, you know, kids, but you're also going to be able to do crafty stuff. All these cool workshops that we're going to be doing. There's going to be a lot of public art going on. You're going to be able to make your own stuff at our creation station. Uh, there's going to be a cricket workshop. So that's going to be really handy. Live music. There's going to be a book sale, so it's just going to be a whole, whole lot going on. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you haven't so. been around the library recently, and you're like, wait, 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 music? Wait, who? What? Yeah, no, libraries are not the quiet little places you might have thought of in your youth. Yeah, or maybe if you're a youth, culture. you actually understand what libraries are like because you've been here and doing it. Yeah, they're definitely cultural centers. We do a lot, and this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be awesome. 
Thank you so much, Sir Brian, for being here. Let me, I'm going to throw up our last slide here for it. Hope we see everybody on Saturday. And if you have a favorite librarian or library you'd like to see featured on the show, hit us up, creationstation at broward.org. We'll see everybody next week. Have a great weekend. Bye.